Every week through the NRL finals, this podcast brought to you by the Monopoly game. At Macca's, peel your way to more than 69 million prizes. Ah, the man who coined that phrase has been taken for the time being was taken by the Lurgy, Lars. So listeners are stuck with myself, Matt Russell, and the wonderful Lara Pitt was getting himself fine-tuned for the finals, which are just around the corner. Finally, the picture for week one of the postseason is clear. But what a wonderful final day Mm. of the regular season we had from Leichhardt, then out to Panthers Stadium where we didn't have high hopes, but, boy, what a scoring show from Penrith after the drama, the atmosphere, the theatre, the occasion, the wonderful rugby league advertisement that was Leichhardt Oval on a sunny Sunday, Lara. And you know that Woz is not faking it. When he was unable to front at Leichhardt yesterday, he was so unwell. Um, He missed the Storm game on on Friday, but uh, was hoping that he could be there for the game of the weekend, undoubtedly. But unfortunately, obviously, he is a man with the man flu right now and um, couldn't be there. But everyone else, it feels like everyone else in the rugby league world was either there or watching and why wouldn't you have been? It looked, the pictures uh, sitting at home on the couch were unbelievable. Watching uh, Blocker walking up the street out the front uh, before the game, it just looks like absolutely spectacular. So a bit of uh, FOMO from Pitt here that I wasn't there on the day, but... um, Maddie, I did have something to pull you up on, though. Yes. We need to send you for some French lessons because... <laughs> Au revoir. Yeah. <laughs> when you interviewed Matt, uh, James Maloney after his final game in Panthers, you were trying to be all very clever at the end and, and threw in a little bit of French and it was hilarious. I was like, what is he uh, actually trying to say there? I went with Jimmy. <laughs> I said, what is uh, beer in French? It's beer, of course. And knowing his love for the punt, I had uh, Paris. Mm. And he knew what Pierre was, didn't know what Paris was. And then as I went to say au revoir, Jimmy, it came out incorrectly as au revoir, but he corrected me and said au revoir. Oh, it was so good. And uh, goodbye, Jimmy Maloney, and good luck. It was um, a good round in terms of farewelling some greats of the game. I I enjoyed seeing Jimmy Maloney enjoy himself Mm. both during the game and then afterwards. And also Michael Gordon up there with the Gold Coast on a game that was largely forgotten. But I thought it's wonderful that the man they call Flash – at one stage flashed across to save a try on the far side of the ground and then a couple of tackles later was on the goal line underneath an attacking dragon to save a try again. His team had nothing to gain. The game was virtually gone. Yet there is Michael Gordon, the competitor, until the very end. I don't mind admitting it. I've long had a man crush on Michael Gordon's rugby league play. I've loved watching him. He's a fantastic fella. Whatever club he's gone to, he's been happy to shake your hand and have a yak. And his footy, uh, despite not being... The biggest bloke in the league, the most athletic bloke in the league, it's always top class. So I wish Michael Gordon all the best as he heads to the Tweed Coast Raiders. Being the bloke he is, he's going to honour the promise to play a final season with his mates for the Tweed Coast Raiders. I can just see him playing, being one of those blokes that plays till he's 50, like Cliffy Lyons or something. But um, there was his heroics. There was also some try-scoring heroics, of course. I've just finished recording try time for the round 25 and we had a 
three hat tricks. Well, actually, we had a quaddie, didn't we, mm. from Nathan Cleary, Nick Meany with the first hat trick of his career. But we tipped it last week that Mike Acevo would be our Ken Irvine medalist for 2019. And he just stormed right home uh, on Friday after Latrell Mitchell failed to score a try um, in the Rabbitohs Roosters game on Thursday. It was down to him or Ken Mamalo to catch him. He was only with a one try lead, Latrell. And then when Micah scored his third try, on the 80th minute and the whole chant was going up around Bankwest Stadium. What a special moment. Um, I, I spoke to Micah a couple of weeks ago at a final shoot that we did and he. I think we've all seen how uh, modest and unassuming he is. He didn't expect to even play NRL this year and now, I mean, he'd be up there with Rookie of the Year, wouldn't he? You've got a great nose for a good story, Lara. Is there a better story this year than Mike Acebo from Fiji involving his dad coming out to Australia for the first time to watch him, leaving Fiji for the first time, his dad, uh, playing recently for the Gundagai Tigers, finding his way into the NRL, and here he is, rookie season, Ken Irvine medalist, and he snatches it with that that hat-trick. Is there a better story this year than Mike Acebo? No. There are many good ones. Yeah. Is that the best? have to be one of the best, wouldn't it? I love the, the story that he's got, his, as you said, the mum and dad, his Australian mum and dad in Gundagai and I believe their son who he grew up or he spent a few years with when he was living there in Gundagai with them. He came out to the game and watched him on uh, Friday night and I'm sure that they'll all want to be out here for the finals and, mm. and get to the game at Bankwest Stadium. Yeah, I mean, there are so many wonderful stories this year but um, Sevo's just got superstar all over him. I hope that he stays in the game. He's, when I spoke to him, he said, when he grew up, he just wanted to play French rugby. He didn't know a lot about rugby league. He oh, didn't no. know anything about rugby league. So I think obviously he's having a great time. I hate to think what a bargain he's been as well for the <laughs> Parramatta Eels this year. But, yeah, let's hope he doesn't do a semi on them. Well, along those lines, Lara, Parramatta mm. need to pay semi radradra big bucks to come and play on the other wing. And part of the contract <laughs> is to tell Micah how shit house French rugby is. <laughs> yes. Don't go and how play French rugby. It. Yeah. And and wouldn't that be awesome? A lot of water to go under the bridge because uh, Semi's locked into French rugby for another 12 months. He's got the Rugby World Cup on the horizon. But after that, if he comes back to the NRL, the dogs are interested. They've already had discussions. So Parramatta what, will be interested. You move, him, you move Blake into the centres? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, Blake's another 12 months into his career. Um, what do you do there? Mm-hmm. It will be very. You're not going to say no to to Semi if he wants to come back. But if you've got if you've whether they're, whether they're going to stuff up their salary cap to overspend on a on a winger, which is what Semi will ask for. He will ask mm. for top top yeah. dollar if he comes back to the NRL. So, what a story! Yeah, the the, the Parramatta Eels uh, with a wonderful performance and sets them up to have a, another big game this weekend against the sh- no the Broncos, isn't it? The Broncos. Mm. The Broncos. The mechanics and the financials might mean that Radradra and Sivo will never play in the same team, but if they did, <laughs> wouldn't it be good to dream about? Yeah. yeah. The six and the seven, the half and the five-eighths wouldn't have to worry whether they go left or right. Just get it out. <laughs> get it out to the wings and let the Fijians do the job. I don't want to leave this uh, Penrith Newcastle game too quickly. We spoke about Leichhardt and the drama of Robbie being out and then in with that. You couldn't write that stuff. It's it's beyond script worthy what happened at, at Leichhardt yesterday. And the Sharks were fantastic. And the way that, you know, they performed there had Michael Ennis saying last night on Big League Rap that they can win the comp with a bit of luck. Mm. I think everyone looks at the top four and says the Premiers will come out of there. Out of the next four, maybe it is the Sharks most likely to be able to to cause an upset. Would you agree with that? 
I'm not sure. But mm. I wasn't sure about a lot of my tips last week. I argued with you about a number I of them. I had a good round on And the I tips. got them wrong. So, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say I'm the best judge. I think that the Sharks know that they've got the potential to be a threat. They just haven't been able to get it together this year. And, yes, that was a better effort from them yesterday against the West Tigers. But, you know, it, you don't have any time now to make any more mistakes. They need to be better mm. than they were against the Tigers. Um, and, and I think all year, we've, as I've said, we've all thought that they are capable of threatening, but whether they can get it together for four weeks. and can't stumble. You're not, it's elimination. It's over. And Brisbane did them a favour, I think, by being beaten so badly, which means that Brisbane finished eighth and not mm. seventh, as they would have if they'd beaten Canterbury. It means that Cronulla, by winning, going to seventh, and they head to, at this stage, at this stage, Lotto Land on Saturday against Manly, which six weeks ago would have been a tough assignment, but Marty Tapao looked like he'll be out. We know that they've already got injuries to Tom Trebojevic, Curtis Sirinan out for the rest of the season, a busted arm for Thompson. They are all of a sudden paddling the field a team. It is a good outcome for Cronulla to be playing Manly first up. It's unbelievable how a season can just be... To turn on its head. Tom, Tom Dubrovic was the big, mm. the big injury, but when you when you have a number of others on top of that, it, and that not the depth to cover it in the superstar ranks, yeah, it's a much more flattering task for the Sharks to to go and beat them. Yes, they've got a horrible record if it happens at Brookvale Oval, but you'd think that with the number of players missing for Manly um, and coming off not a, a performance that would give them much confidence, it it would be you'd, you'd say that the favouritism would be going with the Sharks. Britton Nakora, one of the contenders for Rookie of the Year. He was fantastic yesterday. Paul Gallen with a field goal at the end. I couldn't believe that some narcs were having a crack at him for being selfish. Game one, in your final season, what was it, game 347, he's entitled to snap a field goal, isn't he, Lara? Yeah, I don't think... He was having a crack. Oh, some people I heard whispering and read about and heard... Talk, People just don't like him. Radio. You either like him or hate him. And well, I love the that fact that like he him. said, I'm going to own this moment and slotted a field goal. I reckon it was <laughs> If he missed field. it, it would have been awful. If it was 10 all in a <laughs> final with 10 to go, I might have had a problem. But, yeah, yeah no, it, it was really good. And on we went to Penrith where at Penrith, the commentary box is between the field, obviously, and the warm-up field. So pre-game, I was watching the Newcastle Knights warm-up on the ground and the Penrith Panthers then walking back through the commentary box to the veranda at the back to watch Penrith warm up at the back. Their warm-ups were absolute chalk and cheese. Really? Newcastle going through the routine, you know, yes, we've got to warm up. Even Danny Badera's picked, there's not a lot of defensive intensity, you know, when they hit the pads, etc. You went out and looked at Penrith's, it was like they were preparing for a final. They were ripping into the tackle pads. There was lots of talk, energy, backslapping, high-fiving. They were there to win it for Jimmy Maloney and their fans. And lo and behold, they come out. Newcastle scored the first try, albeit from an intercept. And there was a scoreless 20-minute period. But I still believe the warm-up told me who was going to win. Mm. And at the end of 80 minutes, and you look at the scoreboard, 54-10, that's a reflection of the warm-up. <laughs> that was exactly how they prepared. So disappointing. I mean... I mean, when I was doing the intro for this game for, for try time, I was thinking these are two teams that should have been there this year, two teams that should have been in the top eight. We all, I mean, I had them in my top eight, both of them. Um, and, yeah, 54-10, what do you feel as a Panthers fan? That Where has where all that intent been all I year? I spoke to a few Penrith fans after we left. Uh, I interviewed Jimmy Maloney and said au revoir instead of au revoir. <laughs> and as I was leaving, uh, a few of the good folk at Penrith had a chat and they all said the same thing. Oh, where was that? four weeks ago. Pity we couldn't have had more of that. What if we'd had that? It was all what if, if only. And I 
I felt for them because, of course, that's what they're going to be saying because it was an awesome display from so many of their performers. Jimmy Maloney was quiet, but it could be because the bloke wearing number seven, Mm -hmm. uh, four tries for Nathan Cleary, a perfect nine from nine. Michael Gordon had retired the night before and before he'd barely woken up the next day, been obliterated from the record book at Penrith. He had the highest total in a single game, 30 points. Now it's Nathan Cleary's 34, which will stand for who knows how long. Mm. Um, the most points in a single game by the Panthers, Nathan Cleary. It was fantastic to watch Billy Burns getting a double and pointing straight away to his mouth guard in the colours of the park's spaceman to recognise his hometown. The, the thrust and uh, power of kick-out. Fisher-Harris, Tamo winding back the clock, Leota. You look at these ingredients and you think, why isn't this team in the finals? And one of the Penrith fans fans tweeted us, Lara, Mm. saying, I'm just lobbying for a a top nine scenario, just asking for a friend virtually. Uh, Penrith, very good, but you left your run too late. And you're right, Lara, these teams were in the top eight when Newcastle won six in a row, when Penrith won seven in a row. But it's been downhill when it mattered most and both of them will be spending a long off-season. So the Broncos hold on by the skin of their teeth to a top eight spot. They have um, they're on 25 points. Uh, I, I'm not sure that, you know, yes, those seventh and eighth positions, we've all been, con- uh, there's been a lot of conjecture over who was going to make that. But the top four was pretty much done a while ago. I mean, it's just been, they've just been jostling between them. I, I, the Raiders were probably disappointing, fair enough to say, at, at home in front of mm. the home crowd. Ricky Stewart decided to rest uh, four of his superstar players, and they go down to the Warriors. But news this week, just now, that they have decided to re-sign the coach on a three-year deal to the end of 2023. What do you think about the timing of that decision when they're on the way to a big finals campaign? Does it matter? Does it? Did they need to make the call now? When I first heard it, I thought, that's strange timing. Mm. That's, that's my initial reaction, mm. to extend by that far uh, heading into the finals. Now, it might be a great way to reassure the coach, to reassure the players. But, yeah, I'm surprised. That was my initial reaction. Timing is a little peculiar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clearly, his performances with the team this season would suggest that an extension is warranted. But what's that for another uh, three seasons now? And any time you're signing coaches for long term, beyond two years, I sort of start to wonder why. I think basically on the coaching front and the way that things can change so quickly in rugby league as we see time and time again, why would you have any coach, unless it's a Craig Bellamy maybe, on for longer than two years? So Ricky's there for the next three at least. So were you surprised also when Ricky Stewart rejected that Hudson Young had eye-gouged? Yeah, I was because the vision. Perhaps he hadn't seen it properly um, when he made that comment. In, in a way, you're surprised because the vision seems so compelling mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also understand that given any chance, given any way to defend a player, coaches normally will because they know that the message goes not only to the player in question but across the board, that the team then thinks, oh, well, that's the coach. He's got his back. He'll have my back. I'm going to lift for the, for the coach. But I think as he puts his head on the pillow, he'd know that Hudson Young is in a lot of trouble and is looking at a long, long stint on the sidelines. And he said he asked him directly and he said he didn't do it. So he's backing what he's player has said um, and he's tried to sort of compare it to Josh Maguire incident saying that Josh got fined so you know I know he's obviously hoping that if he says that that'll have some influence over the match review committee and the judiciary obviously it's been referred straight so uh, just 
we will we'll never understand why players are doing that. George Burgess is coming back this weekend from a, mm. a, an incident that could have ended his time in the NRL and players have been made examples of. So I don't understand why they keep having these brain explosions. The best uh, explanation of it, I think the most logical explanation I heard came from Luke Lewis who said that at training when you're mucking around with your mates, you put your hands on their eyes and give them a little push or pull their hair or do something to basically have a laugh and a giggle with your teammates. And if he's doing that at training, it could almost become habitual. Now, I know it's drawing a long straw and it's, it's no excuse come game time, but that's probably the only way I can understand how and why he did it. Mm. He's just spent five weeks out. Um, and, and, you know, it's a much more heinous act than Sam Burgess and his hair pulling. But I also put them in the same bracket in a way because Sam runs on knowing that he's on a tightrope. He is a tough, capable, extraordinary player without any grubbiness. So why do you pull a bloke's hair when you are so physical, so uh, demonstrative in a game, such a good player? You don't need that crap. Why on earth do you do it? But we also don't need it. You're robbing us of what would be a great game Absolutely. this weekend. Absolutely. I now want to see Sam yeah. Burgess play this weekend. And I cannot sympathise with um, old-timers saying, oh, he's missing a game for a hair pull. Well, actually, he's not. He's missing the game because of other acts that have combined. When you add this little act of grubbiness that is nothing, but you add it to the rest, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm. Sam should know that. You can criticise the committee all you like, but at the end of the day, professional athletes who are well-paid need to know what predicament they are in and therefore behave like angels in that regard if they need to. If he's trying to put on a big shot and it goes wrong, then you're a little bit more tolerant because you think, well, probably there's nothing he could have done. He he tried to use his physicality to make a a statement. It went wrong. In this instance, he made a decision to grab young Billy's uh, hair and pull it, which was a terrible look. And when you add it to the rest of it, Yes, I'm sad he's missing, but Sam, you silly Billy. Yeah. You look at someone like Cameron Murray who had an unbelievable game and who pulled off some incredible tackles as well. And I would say some of them were borderline. There was some head slamming going on. It was a very physical game. It was brutal, wasn't it? It was brutal. But it's just that line. You can't – there is a line and you can't cross it. Um, And there's grubby tactics and and really um, questionable tactics being used. I want to ask you about the Jared Rhea Hargraves hit on, on Liam Knight. Uh, you know, I heard I heard uh, Trent Robinson afterwards saying he shouldn't be in trouble, of course, again, defending his player. And, yes, he was looking the other way and uh, Liam Knight was falling into the tackle when he made contact with the head. Um, do, you, do you believe that that is a justifiable explanation for it and that a player doesn't get charged? Because at the end of the day, a player got hit in the head and it was, it was pretty horrible to sit at home and watch. Most of the damage was done by Knight's head ricocheting into another rabbit-o. That's where the damage was done, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, that doesn't happen unless Jared Waria Hargreaves makes contact with the head. Now, there are any number of excuses in rugby league, but I think we're reaching a level now where if you make contact with the head, unless it is absolutely categorically incidental, uh, which it's not in this instance, he, he put himself in the position to make contact with the head, then sadly, Jared's going to have to pay a price. Yep. And even though the damage wasn't done by that contact to the head, 
it was done by the ramifications of that contact. Yeah. I hope you're following me. So um, if we're going to be consistent, then I can understand why he was charged and I would expect to see him serve a small penalty. But uh, from a broader picture, what a final round for the forwards. We've touched on Sam Burgess, Jared Warrior Hargreaves, Kane Evans, uh, Marty Tapao with a shocker. That was the worst of them. And then Hudson Young. Mm. Acts of lunacy from the forwards in, in some instances. Others got a little unlucky. Before week one of the finals... You can understand why coaches toss and turn and say, should I rest players? Because they're not resting and they might be protecting a few of them if that round is any indication. And that was such a brutal... That was always going to be a brutal game because it's the rich rivalry between the two teams. And you would have been sitting there as fans of both teams going, oh, especially at the end for the Rabbitohs when they were down to next to no one, 12 on the field and no one on the bench. Mm. Uh, you know, just get it over and done with. We're in the top four. Let's just get this over and done with because we've got the bigger games still to come. Uh, but it was it was actually a really great game to watch and I just couldn't believe it that I went into the game. We had a discussion last week about this game and I was like, nah, the Roosters will win. I just don't I don't believe that Wayne will get them up. And you you rightly said he's just the specialist at this time of year and, and yeah, I doubted it. I really wasn't sure that the Rabbitohs had what it, what it takes to, to step up to where they were earlier in the year. But um, he, he himself, Wayne Bennett, just knows that it's all important to get that double chance. They're in the top four. And you said it yourself, the Sharks may be an outside chance, but usually it comes out of the mm. top four, the winner at the end of the season. They're pocket rockets. You've touched on them. Cam Murray, Damien Cook, they were fantastic. The try saver from Damien Cook was remarkable. And I look forward to seeing them through the finals. Before we go on, Lara, what about this? Right throughout the NRL finals, this wonderful podcast is brought to you by the Monopoly game at Maccas. You can peel your way to more than 69 million prizes. As my 12-year-old found the other day, he had a rare very rare trip to Macca's and was thrilled when he peeled back a prize and said, Dad, we need to go back. I've won a burger. I said, you've already got your nuggets. We're going home. Oh. So now I'm being What's the go-to in the, in the Russell household at McDonald's? Um, we don't frequent yeah, no, Macca's, we don't, our great sponsor, yeah, as often no. as we should, producer Phil. I know we should go there more because Macca's, great to have you on board. We enjoy your support. Um, we can have a guilty pleasure of, on the burger, highway. large fries. Chocolate Sunday, me. You? Junior burger. Yeah, and I love Sounds the I, I love the pickle on it. Well, I don't like to go overboard. I, I don't like – I'm an athlete, oh, you don't as go I tell all my in. family. You I, don't go all in. Okay, no, I, I don't do. Rubbish, I I'm do. an athlete. I go all in. I what are you going? Big Mac. <laughs> Big Mac? <laughs> Big Mac meal with a special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, pickles onions, onions, onions on a sesame seed bun. If you say it inside 40 seconds, you used to get an old World Series cricket poster. Oh, I would have nailed it. I would have got a 1,000. You probably weren't born then. What year was it? About 1979. No, I wasn't. Lucky. Okay, great. So welcome on board for the Monopoly McDonald's Sponsor. Yeah, you used for the to finals. have to go into McDonald's and say to all beef patties, <laughs> special cheese, lettuce, pickles, no, onions, all on a sesame seed bun special inside cheese. 10 or 15 seconds, and you got a free World Series Cup poster. And I had about 20 of them. Yeah, I would too. I think most people would get it right. Yeah, Ian Chappell, the Windies and the Poms. That was the ad. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So right, thanks to Maccas. Uh, moving on, uh, none of the Melbourne forwards found themselves in too much trouble because they beat the Cowboys. They didn't rest Cam Smith. Um, and Harry Grant got on inside 10 minutes to go, which I think was basically to keep him eligible for some uh, Queensland Rugby League finals by not breaching a certain time limit on uh, Friday night, if my mail is correct. But um, Melbourne did what they had to do. And, Lara, what about this for a bit of uh, nice uh, symmetry in terms of uh, numbers? Mm. They conceded for the season exactly 300 points, their fewest since 2008. They conceded exactly... 
50 tries, their fewest since 2007. So Melbourne's defence, does that have you saying that Melbourne will win the comp over the defending premiers, the Roosters? And 20 wins, which was the same number they had in 2017 when they won the comp. But what about this? In the NRL era, Mm. only six times have teams racked up 20 wins in a season and four of them are owned by Melbourne, four of six. I've said it before, they are a mighty, mighty club uh, and they have been the pin-ups for a long time in terms of professionalism, the way they uh, conduct themselves on and off the field and that's underlined there, isn't it? I haven't looked further than this week but, yeah, let's – in terms of who wins and who gets the week off and what who yep. side of which draw they could go to and who they could meet in week three if Melbourne beat the Raiders and all that sort of stuff but uh, in the in the – in the prelims? No. Yeah, it'd be, pre, it'd be straight through to a prelim. So I, that's the big one. Is is Canberra capable? We talked about it off air, I think, before last week's or the week before podcast that you can't go to Melbourne twice and meet them twice in a year, can you? You can do it once and it's amazing. Manly did it did it once. Can You know, now the Raiders have got to try and do it again. Uh, I think that's a, it's such a big thing to get up for and to be able to do. And, and, you know, Craig Bellamy will have them drilled and he would have watched the tape all through the night uh, after that <laughs> loss to, to have the game plan to not let Ricky Stewart's team do it to them again. Can I tell you why I'm laughing? <laughs> because I travelled down there with Kevy Walters and Andrew Voss and I was sitting there. Who else came down with us? Uh, anyway, beside us in the box, I was sidelined. I heard this story afterwards. Uh, Craig Bellamy sitting in the box and, as we've said before, the commentary box right beside the coach's box, you can see in. And the Fox, Josh Adokar, who was resting, was in the box. And as Vossi's screaming this and that and, you know, going up a gear here and there, uh, the other commentary boys are looking across to see Belly Ake's reaction. And even when his team was hopelessly in control, he's still riding them and throwing pens and cussing here and there. The Fox, just off to his side laughing his head off as he is you know and uh i've never seen that someone laughing in his face when he's getting becoming increasingly agitated and there's the fox (laughs) just laughing in the background he and cam munster they're the tricksters and they give poor old craig bellamy a mighty tough time you you can only do that if you can play and luckily the fox and cam munster can but just a little story from the commentary box with adokar who if you can picture him laughing uh he doesn't exactly hold himself back and he's in there laughing as Bellamy loses it over different things that are happening on the field. In our, um, I'm, this probably won't translate on a podcast. Was blocker. It. He was the other I'll try. Camera. I'll try. Uh, we did the final shoot with the storm, and we had like the captain and the coach at the front of the flaming fox league sign with all the team behind them, and we've done it with all the top eight teams, and we had to get the captain, the coach, to say finals footy, and the and the and the. <laughs> Sorry, the coach to say finals footy, the captain to say on Fox League. So Craig Bellamy says finals footy and Cam Smith goes on Fox League and then in the background the fox just goes, but I'm the fox. <laughs> and, you know, everyone just burst out laughing and Craig just his face just went, oh, like rolled his eyes. You know, everyone else found it hilarious and Craig just did the whole eye roll, school teacher, oh, my God, the, the, the petulant child in my team just, just – he gets away with it, like you said, because he is the trickster in the team and it made for great television. I'm sure that that's the promo line we'll end up using, not the, not the staged one that we wanted, the one that was a la natural from the Fox. They are fantastic. Mm-hmm. The uh, Fox League finals promos, mm-hmm. the music, the way the players are bought in, the look with the flames and the burning Fox League emblem. Mm-hmm. I could watch them over and over again. And as I said, the finals picture – is now 
clear. Are there any other games from the weekend that we, we should talk about? Obviously, there were a couple that didn't mean a lot and we, mm-hmm. we still had some highlights to the end with Penrith against Newcastle. But is there anything else from the final round, round 25, that jumped out to you, Lara? Probably the Bulldogs, the fact that they finished the season uh, the way that they did. Um, they could have easily put the cue in the rack, but they and, and maybe it says a lot more about where the Broncos are at, unfortunately, than, than as much about the Bulldogs. But now they finish the year only a win and a half, essentially, out of finals contention, three points behind the Broncos. So uh, definitely oh, we've already given them a big wrap in the last few weeks at how they have come such a long way in the back end of the year. And this was just another example, another big upset. Uh, Lachlan Lewis was at three try assists to him and uh, we've already t- I touched on Nick Meaney with uh, the first hat trick of his career and, and you could hear from Seabold that it's definitely an attitude issue there that they just didn't turn up. I went there expecting uh, Payne Haas and David Fafita to re- wreak havoc. Now Payne Haas still ran for 215 metres, six tackle busts and Fafita found his way into the game with 145 and five tackle busts but it was this defence from the dogs that again kept the opposition below 16 points. And the remarkable part about that is, Lara, that you've got to go back to 1993 to find the last time a Bulldogs team kept the opposition under 16 points for six games in a row. A lot of numbers in there. Mm. But 1993, the last time Canterbury kept the opposition under 16 for six games in a row. And that comes from the spirit that Dean Pay has garnered in his team and their willingness to fight. And they finish, what, one and a half wins outside the top eight. If I told you at the start of the season that Canterbury would be that close, I'd be shipped off to the lunatic asylum because many people, including me, were tipping them to run last. Mm. And I'm very happy to be proven wrong because they've had some performances. And through my eyes, Brisbane, uh, and even the coach admitted to it, they, they just weren't switched on. The halves were uh, poor again. Their record heading into this game was good. They'd only lost one of seven games together, um, Turpin and Boyd, but they were not in sync the other night and the forwards didn't quite go forward as they would have liked. They'll get off a Hengawe back during the final should they stay alive and uh, they'll get other players back as well. But on that performance, how on earth are they going to beat Parramatta at Bankwest Stadium where you could have about twenty-five to 30,000 people, most of them... Eels fans giving the home team, which has done very well at Bankwest, even uh, more to ride on against the Broncos. So should we talk about then the next week's games and start Let's do it. at the back, at the back end with that Eels v Broncos game at Bankwest Stadium, Maddie? Um, I mean, you've pretty much given the Broncos no hope there. Do you think it's just too much of a task to... I mean, it, the Eels record there is incredible. Um, they've got that momentum behind them from last week as well. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd find it very hard to see how the Broncos are going to bounce back. Yes, it's finals football and there's, it's really do or die. It is do or die now. And last week maybe they just thought they could get the job done by turning up. Well, Andy Raymond asked Anthony Seabold afterwards how quick a fix it is and uh, Seabes took an optimistic approach and was convinced that he could fix the wrongs from last weekend in a week. I'm not so convinced. I think Parramatta, who get Nathan Brown back, if I'm not mistaken, Mitch Moses has been a conductor there at Bank West. Um, Fergie Ferg on one wing and Mike Acebo, the competition's leading scorer, on the other. As long as the middle forwards can hold uh, Brisbane's bulk and power that seems to give the Broncos an edge in that department, so long as they can at least match that, I- I'm convinced that Parra uh, setting sail for week two of the finals. 
Yeah, they beat them by one point at Suncorp not that long ago, the Broncos, and the Eels definitely weren't at their best. But they haven't had a great away record. It's that whole Bankwest thing. It's the the momentum of the fans that they give them that extra edge for sure. The you know the level of excitement that the that the Para fans finally have to be back there playing finals football after the Wooden Spoon last year. So uh, I don't. It's just too hard to to predict that one though because the Broncos have then usually when they get a really um, heavily criticised, they mm. come out and and do something. So. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Maddie. It'll be it'll be whether they can contain the big forwards, the young, athletic, and exciting forwards from the Broncos. Manly Cronulla on Saturday night. Uh, this is the second league of your Saturday footy finals, and Manly hosting Cronulla at Lotto Land at this stage, uh, assuming they clear the asbestos. I can't believe we've been going there for what. 40, 50 years. And why did they check it now? Because they're getting it ready for that uh, centre of excellence at the northern end of, of Lotto Land, a bit of uh, testing or excavation being done. So just seal it back up. <laughs> Concrete over the top. Do whatever you have to. The Sea Eagles deserve to play at Lotto Land. But I fear for them because of the suspensions and injuries. Um, I, I don't know what they can offer against Cronulla. Yeah. Uh, speaking to, it's not us, speaking to the experts who've played the game and we're lucky enough to mingle with and chat to about footy, they've been saying for weeks, you know, a, a common discussion topic in the Fox League department, how good are the Sea Eagles going? What about Manly? And the normal comeback is, yeah, so long as they don't get any injuries. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have the depth. As long as they stay fit. Des has done wonderfully well, but they need luck. Well, that luck's run out. They're losing players. The depth might not be there. So, Cronulla for me. They'll want it to be at Lotto Land because that will give them the best chance. With the hostile crowd there, Des will love it that they're they're given no chance, backs against the wall, under the radar, all that stuff. He'll be telling them from today, no one is expecting us to win. We've got no hope. And, you know, they'll get get the Sharks down in in an arm wrestle battle, which the Sharks love too. So uh, it could be a real – I mean, look, I did expect them to do better against Parramatta this week and, you know, maybe that – was a bit of a response to the fact that they lost Turbo and they now need know that they need to really lift. Mm. Everyone needs to play at 200% without him. And, yes, it is going to be really hard with the back rowers that they have also don't have. But um, I don't think it's necessarily a lay-down Mazaire. But uh, I think that the, the Broncos one is, is, you know, the Eels are far more favoured over the Broncos than maybe the Manly Sharks game. Asbestos land with the mad drunken fans throwing mobile phone punches at you. Good luck, Cronulla Sharks. They'll need to rock up in their uh, armour and uh, their patches over their mouths and run on uh, to look after themselves. Melbourne against Canberra to start the Saturday double. Down at Amy Park, we've touched on this one. You, You just can't go past the Melbourne Storm. 20 wins, four losses in the season. Uh, And I've been... Going through a few of the stats because Fox Lab throw up some gold. Um, Melbourne are ticking a big box in terms of only losing four games this season by eight points. Lara, here's one for you, knowing that you're a Dragons fan. Melbourne, the first team to go through a regular season without being beaten by more than five points since the St George team unbeaten of 1959. How about that? 60 years ago. Unbelievable. So Four points is the biggest loss. It's just that's right. crazy. So no, no team has done that through the regular season since the unbeaten Dragons of 59. So that's before you were born, so that was a really long yeah, time Yeah, that was about 20 years before I was born. 
I might <laughs> Sorry, be lying I a bit there. Sorry, I had to give you so, enough time. So how on earth are Canberra going to yeah. score enough points? Well, um, Joey Leilu is back from his two-game suspension. Uh, obviously, they need him, but on and not losing the plot. Uh, whether they lose someone like... Hudson Young, which it seems inevitable that he's going to be mm. gone from this game. But they'll welcome back all the players that they rested. It'll be interesting to see whether those that decision on the weekend, you know, I, I don't know what, what it does to your mindset when you go into a final series losing a game that you should have won. Uh, but they'll get Charles Nickel Klockstad obviously back, uh, Soliola, John, John Bateman, and then John, Joe Tarp, Tarpany. Sounds like he's on the mend from an injury, a rib injury. So hopefully they will be at the full strength besides Hudson Young's little head snap. Um, Well, where do you sit with this? Let's touch on this discussion point now because four of the finalists were beaten in the last round, the Roosters, the Raiders, Manly and Brisbane. We've spoken about uh, Brisbane and Manly, that loss being symbolic of the state they're in and maybe it's the, the final blow before they're eliminated. But what about... Canberra, do we? Do we? Are you concerned that they were beaten by the Warriors because that has gone through to the keeper largely because of the Hudson Young discussion? Their their performance hasn't really been spoken about. But given they've rested so many people, I'm inclined just to go. You know what? Ignore that. Yeah. I, I don't care. Well, I think Joshua Pali just said it was an SHIT performance, and I yep. think that maybe they need that. That'll just be the big yuck. We shouldn't have. That was awful. And basically cannot afford to have even one percent of those of that performance in the game against the storm. So I don't know, I think that they've come a long way this year. We all think they have. Mm. So hopefully that'll be the big kick up the bum. Maybe losing to the Warriors is better than winning by twelve or yeah. ten points. Maybe they actually think, Oh, we just got beat. We yeah. better improve on that. But then rather than being sixteen nil down about exactly. against Melbourne but, in week one. But then add to that the fact that Melbourne won't want to lose to them again when mm. they beat they beat them at Amy Park not so long ago. Uh, so yeah, I think that's I think it's it's harder again to pick, but you'd have to say that the storm will get the job done at Amy Park. Nelson Asafa Solomona finished the game with a bit of a knee twinge, but I followed him back up the race after he had it checked out and he said, oh, I think I can go back on. So he was almost going to play again that night. He wasn't used, so I'm sure he'll be okay. And when I when I walked beside Nelson, I got another reminder of just how big he is. And I thought to myself, goodness gracious, with you running at full steam, you know, he would he would go over me without even realising I was there. <laughs> so I don't know how some of the other opponents are going to stop him during the finals. And um, he was close to a career-high run metres game. All the costume was the fact he had to come out off and get his knee checked. So he's going to carry good form in. The battle with some of those Canberra forwards will be absorbing. But Melbourne for me, I think it's Melbourne for you as well. What was the diagnosis or the prognosis for Cameron Munster? Was that just a week and he'll be fine for this week? That's, that's what Melbourne was saying. So they'll get him back okay. this weekend. All right. And uh, what a player to get back. It all starts Friday night at the SCG, the first final of any sort at the SCG Rugby League-wise since 1987. I was speaking with Kevy Walters about that yesterday. He played in the 87 Grand Final. We haven't had another final played there since 87, and we're back there on Friday night. Fittingly, South against the Roosters. Uh, I tipped South last week, Lara, but I'm going the other way when it really matters week one of the finals. I think that the Roosters can bounce back and get South really because of Sam not being there, their spiritual leader, their enforcer, uh, the man to bail them out with a gutsy run or a big tackle. Um, 
uh, it, it swings the pendulum in my mind well towards the Roosters. What it showed for the Roosters last week is how important Luke Keary is to that left side. They looked frustrated every time they went to Latrell's side. They just didn't look as fluid and mm. uh, in attack. So he'll be back. You know, he missed the game due to the birth of his little boy. So you'd imagine he'll make a big difference to their attack. It's very rare that you see a second-half effort without the Roosters scoring a try. They didn't score a point. They didn't fire a shot yeah. in that second half. So the Rabbitohs says a lot about their defence, absolutely, but I don't think they were on in attack and that's something we haven't seen from the Roosters in a while. So I think Trent Robinson will go back to the drawing board and, and because it's the same opposition, he'll be looking at things that they can exploit and the fact that, as you said, Sam Burgess isn't there. Uh, and I feel like that was such an exhausting game for both teams. So yeah. uh, they'll welcome the fact that it was a Thursday to a Friday at least to, to get themselves right to go again. And will the Roosters miss Jared Ree Hargrave? So is that a week for him? Yes. Is that what he's looking at? Yes, he's looking at a week unless he successfully fights it. George Burgess is back into the team now that Sam's – if Sam's gone, then George yep. is in. Um, Can he yeah. really be at his best first game back after nine games out? Uh, all will be answered. It sounds like we're on the same page tips-wise this week. I'm too scared to go against you after my shocker <laughs> last week. I was so confident too. I was like, no, Manly will win at Bankwest. I didn't actually tip them though. Well, you can shout me Maccas for yeah. uh, losing to me in the tipping. <laughs> and we should mention that through the finals, this podcast brought to you by Maccas. Download the Monopoly game and play on the app to win some fantastic prizes. Some of those prizes might come our way. Lara, what prize would you like to win from Maccas? Wind sail, wind surfer, jet ski, I don't know, car, trip to Hawaii. Mm. Hawaii, was that that on there? Oh, absolutely, that's what I'm speaking. Yeah, okay. Giving the McDonald's uh, advertising department a few ideas there. Uh, Uh, This week on Fox League, plenty of uh, coverage in the lead up to week one of the finals. What's on league life this week? We have got a special feature with the Burgess Brothers, so this well, it won't be the last time they play together because they are in the top four, but it's mm. George's uh, – it's the last hurrah coming to it anyway for George as he heads off to the Super League and uh, sat down with Sam, George and Tom and spoke about that because it's been such a wonderful ride and obviously Luke left the NRL a while ago, but these three have been at the Rabbitohs for uh, quite a long time now and when I asked all of them to reflect on it, it, it was quite emotional for all of them because it, we, you know, we were a bit used to the Hollywood script that is the Burgess mm. boys in the NRL, but it's pretty awesome and incredible to think that they all got to play together, they won a premiership together, and now there'll only be two left in uh, the NRL as of next year. So got a, a great feature with the brothers and um, also we're going we're gonna to run that piece around the drought. I'm not sure if you saw it. On Friday, uh, obviously, at the Parramatta game, there was a big effort that Fox got behind um, the buy bale and uh, we've, we went out and shot some beautiful pieces and centred around Ian Hindmarsh and what um, the farmers mm. are really struggling with, um, the real fight around the drought. So um, Fox League's definitely getting behind that cause and wanting to see people help those out in uh, on our drought-stricken farms because it is um, a very difficult time for them at the moment. So we'll shed more light on all of that, um, Maddie, and also obviously preview the finals, which um, will be a big force of our focus. NRL week. 360 throughout the week following uh, NRL tonight, Megan, myself, Dan Ganane, Matt Shervington, uh, Adam Hall is bringing you all the news in the lead up to week one, the judiciary um, outcomes, which will be uh, vital 
to many teams. You can catch that on Fox Sports News and, of course, uh, Fox League as well. So plenty to look forward to this week as we head towards the finals. 25 rounds done, Lara, and it's Melbourne, the minor premiers, Gold Coast, the wooden spooners, and we wait now for... The thrilling finale. Well, maybe next week when uh, Woz gets over his man flu, we can go through the coach of the year, rookie of the year, all our Dallian picks. Good um, idea. Can't do it without him, so we'll wait for, wait till he gets well. Woz will be fed by Maccas, fit and firing next week when we return with, you can take me now, I have seen it all. <laughs>